Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. I'm Tony Haggerty, a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle, as you can see. And I'm joined today by Aidan McDonald at Aidan C. McDonald Twitter handle. How are we doing, Aidan? Good, Tony. How are you? I was on mute there. That was a good start. I, I could see that. You were on mute there, my good friend. There, yes, indeed. Now, we'll get to the issues coming up in a moment. First of all, I'll direct you to the ticker tape running along the bottom. And that is support top quality journalism. We've got a deal for you. We've got a deal all the time for you. And it's still the festive deal, as you can see. And you can enjoy one of two deals. It's a pound for two months of full access, full access to everything that's written on the website. Or you can get 25% off the yearly rate of 20, which takes it down to £26. All for the click of a button. You know what I'm going to say www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Hit that button. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Now, Aidan, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? The fallout from the, the Derby match, New Year Derby match at Ibrooks, and now there's a report in one newspaper this morning, and that's the Daily Record. And it says that Celtic are set to raise concerns over VAR issues, Connor Goldson incident, amongst a number of others. I think the totting up procedure, Aidan, Celtic believes since VAR's been introduced, they've been the, the victims of some rough referee injustice. Uh, and it looks like they're going to go to the SFA to seek some guidance and clarification on certain things. But it's been triggered by. A few things, but mainly Connor goes in the handball uh, decision that went against him the other day. John Beaton didn't give the penalty. Well, the column was in the VAR studio, but he didn't uh, direct John Beaton to go and take a look at the monitor. But there's been a few instances this season that have gone against Celtic now. Uh, the report says that Celtic are going to raise concerns and seek clarification from the SFA on that. Do you feel that they're right to do that? Yeah, I think they are, to be honest. If they, they feel that things have kind of went, not firstly not went Celtic's way, but also there's not really been proper explanation for why certain decisions have been made, such as why, well, I know, I know there has been sort of stuff with IFA, as to why John Beaton didn't need to go and look at the monitor, but I think me, you and Sean all unanimously agreed yesterday that it was very much a penalty in the, the derby the other day, so I, I can probably understand why the club are maybe feeling that they're not getting proper explanations for yep. decisions on the pitch at the time, where it's the players asking or Ange asking, speaking to the referee post-match, half-time or whatever. So, yeah, I, I can, when, as I'm sure we're going to talk about and categorise certain decisions that have went against Celtic this season from a VAR point of view and then just poor referee officiating, it makes sense why they maybe feel they, they want to, as it says in the headline, to raise a VAR now let's look at those, Aidan, and we'll do it in kind of chronological order. Hearts was the first game that at Tincastle that VAR was introduced in Scotland, and Celtic Michael Smith handball was deemed not a penalty, and there was also a Leila Bada goal that was scored, which was given offside, but they, they didn't show, the VAR didn't show the actual lines. There was no 
no camera lines to show that there was offside or not. And lots of people thought that that was offside. So it got off to a very indifferent start for Celtic. Celtic still won the game 4-3, uh, Greg Taylor winner. But that, that was the first, then that was put down to teething problems. And then we go on to Dundee United and you have the inexplicable decision where Alexandro Bernabe's jumping for a ball. Uh, I think Stephen Fletcher directs it. I'm not saying it was going towards goal, but headers it and, and then the throws in the midst of jumping up. Alexandro Bernabe's hands are up there. It hits his hand. It goes to review. It's given against Celtic. And then there's a motherwell Jota offside goal in the League Cup. You know, Celtic were 2-1 up. That would have made it 3-1. And again, the lines weren't properly shown. The camera was trained elsewhere and Celtic were annoyed at that because they feel that that goal would have been proved to be onside. And then we go to the Ross County game. Matt O'Reilly, the ball hits his hand from close range when he knew nothing about it. it bobbed up, bounced his hand and hit his hand. Again, they go to VAR, they go to the the screen. The Celtic, it goes against Celtic again. And then there's a corner Goldson one. So that's six, if you want to categorise them or highlight them, since VAR's been introduced. That's quite a lot that have gone against Celtic. I think Celtic have been have been given one. Was that the penalty at Livingston? You referenced in the pod the other week, and Jack and Marcus went on to miss it. But I think that's the the kind of only decision Celtic have got so far in terms of VAR, is it? Uh, domestically, anyway, uh, this season, I think Juranovic, he got the penalty in the Champions League that he missed. But yes. <coughs> yeah, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. In terms of this season, the, the fact you've just had to rhyme off a list there shows how poor some of the officiating's been. And obviously a lot of the focus is going to be on the penalty that Celtic didn't get against Rangers, but... I think that I know we discussed them at the time, but before the World Cup break, some of those handball decisions were it's just <laughs> the, the Matt O'Reilly one in particular, the way he sort of just that just flipped it up on his hand, like completely accidentally, and it was such a like the way the it was sort of put forward as almost such a clear cut and dry penalty. But yeah, it's the referee and the, and the officiating, well, it's from a bar perspective, an additional decision that the referee makes is left a bit to be desired for a lot of teams this season. And Celtic, obviously, in particular, have been on the end of some pretty harsh decisions. And maybe the majority of the time, it's not affected the result, but that, that's not really an excuse for a poor officiating, Tony. I think that I've said before, I think the officials are, are incompetent. They really are, and, and, and not fit for purpose. Some of them, and, and now there's this kind of re-refereeing of games happening, Aiden, which I don't like, you know. And I, and I think, uh, I think certainly on Sunday that uh, Beaton should have gone to the monitor twice to have a look at both penalty incidents and confirm what he thought he saw or what he didn't see in in regards to the, the Connor Golson penalty. But he should he should have been encouraged to go to the monitor twice because I don't think both of them were. As cut and dried. Uh, well, certainly uh, the, the Conor Golson handball looked cut and dried, but go and go at, actually go and see it. To not go and watch the video replay of both of those incidents, I thought was was incredible. I really do. And uh, and I still think the the Carol Starfield incident was very clumsy and extreme. You said yesterday he gave the referee a decision to make. 
and I can understand why that was given as a penalty. So I've I've no real complaints about that, to be honest. If you're talking about contact and all that, then you might see something different. Jock Steen always famously said, the eye sees what it wants to see in certain situations, Aidan, I believe. Uh, But I I think Celtic are perfectly within their rights to go to the SFA and raise concerns because, as I said, we've just reigned off a few instances of decisions that have gone against Celtic. Now, I've said this before, and every club and Beach Boys kind of comes in here and says he doesn't believe that it's anti-Celtic at all. If you watch all the other games on a weekly basis, there are shocking decisions and bad decisions going against all other teams. It's bad referees. I totally agree with that. I've said that, Aidan, that that every club can have a catalogue or can catalogue rank rotten decisions and poor decisions that have gone against them. But yourself, myself, Sean, we're dedicated. Our job is to watch Celtic. So games and those games and those are the decisions we're seeing uh, in real time. And But I've no doubt that clubs like Motherwell, Hibs, Dundee United, their supporters and people that watch their, their games for a living will have the same kind of complaints or the same concerns about bad bad and poor officiating. And, and I agree with that. I, I think there are shopping decisions all over. I think there was one weekend when I think the highlights reel on sports scene showed there was incredible decisions in every match, wasn't there, over the course of six games? Yeah, I think it might have been either the first week or the second week. The second week rings a bell for some reason for VAR in terms of that, that sports scene sort of compilation you were talking about. But yeah, there's been plenty of bad decisions across the league. Uh, just some of, some of the referees really left a lot to be desired. And I feel sometimes, obviously, we come on here and the sort of potential solutions you try and put in place to it are the same. But and I know Sean highlighted that again yesterday. I, the sort of thing about the, a referee at, or officials from that game, whoever was in, was in charge from either of our perspective or actually on the pitch, should have to come out and sort of justify why they made that decision after every game, really, regardless. So like, published a report, even, you know, doesn't need to be that detailed, but just explaining this is why we made this decision at that time and then make that available for like wider public consumption, whether it's through the SFA website or whatever. That's, but, you know, they're not legally obliged to do that, so they're not going to do it really, are they? Do you know what I mean? No, but we've said since the start that the biggest thing about VAR is communication. You have to communicate and let supporters know because every other week you're questioning your own uh, knowledge of the rules. That's what they're making you do because they're re-refereeing games and they're, they're telling you things and they're putting up, I'm not saying that they're offering excuses, but they're justifying why these decisions were made. They're trying to justify why these decisions were made when the rules kind of jar with the what you know the, the decision that was reached. So I, I, and also the time that it's taken I mean, Ange Postacoglu himself, he's just taken a blanket decision not to talk about that. He wasn't even asked about the penalty decision, Aidan. We spoke about that yesterday. I would still like to hear his thoughts on it. But uh, I still feel that uh, Celtic are perfectly within their rights to go to the SFA and if they, if they feel that there's cause for concern, and they clearly do, and they're going to raise concern and see if they can get some clarification and, and answers to it. And as I said there, it's probably the top-nut procedure, I would I would conjecture. Yeah, I mean, obviously, 
the Rangers and the decision that happened with Connor Goldson in the recent game that is going to be the sort of headline attraction just given the fixture that was in and the fact it's also the most recent instant but as we sort of went through there it's not just because you didn't get one decision in one game that you're throwing the toys out the pram it's not really that at all there's been a catalogue of decisions that inevitably well they may not have cost Celtic a game in terms of a defeat so far you know if there's going to be so many across the rest of the season eventually it is going to cost points so yeah I can put understand why they're uh, going to seek clarification on that Tony and I think uh, we, me, you and Sean would, would all be the same. Don't want to speak for Sean, but I, th- I can imagine that he would probably agree that uh, the club are quite right to at least go and raise it and try and seek some clarification on it. Now, Ozzy comes in and says, thank goodness Ange doesn't enter into the argument. He's far too classy for that. I just think he gets bored talking about VAR, doesn't he? Well, he said that when it was... I mean, he was getting bored of it before it was even introduced, <laughs> wasn't he? Because sort of two weeks in the build-up to it, there was a lot of questions about how VAR is going to look in Scottish football. You know, of the historic nature of it, if you want to call it like yeah. that. And he was saying, well, he'd, he'd been in Australia for, was it like four, four seasons, 25 seasons? And then he'd also worked with it in Japan. I think he might even have worked with it at international level as well for a brief period before he left the Socceroos job. So he'd had plenty of experience with it, if anything, in recent seasons. It was his sort of first campaign at Celtic that was outlier in terms of not working with yeah. VAR, just and compared to recent times because you know Australia, Japan, they were quite far ahead of Scottish football in terms of introducing the technology. So he was already getting a bit sick of it before there was even a single decision to discuss. And then when you've got that on top of it, he's obviously you know he's just wanting to talk about the football. But I was quite surprised nobody asked him about that. I don't want to repeat too much what he said yesterday, but yeah. I, was, I thought there would have been at least one question from it across, you know, broadcasting papers. But yeah. unless sort of everybody that's attending the pressers has got it made clear that Andrew doesn't want to talk about VAR, which he has said himself. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris Sutton, the last word we'll give to Chris Sutton on it, he, he said, this Aiden, he says, don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. I said in my column last week, I was worried VAR might cause a problem at Ibrox. Sure enough, there was a big flashpoint with the Connor Golson handball. Don't care what anyone says or how some people want to pour over the IFAB rules in the search of a technicality. A penalty would be awarded down south every day of the week. There should be no debate. Listen, I'm not saying Celtic deserved anything from the game on Monday. They escaped with a draw and they'll probably feel fortunate about that. But that doesn't make the Golson decision okay. It ended up honours even, and as you were in t- terms of the points difference, but it could have had a, be- a major bearing on the title race, though. It still might. I don't blame John Beaton. He's had a split second to make the call. But that is why VAR is there, to correct clear and obvious errors, and they don't m- come much more clear and obvious than that. For Willie Collum and the VAR had to come to the conclusion there was no case to answer, and not to even invite the referee to have another look was incredulous. Strong words there from Chris Sutton on it. Yeah, it's quite strong words, probably reflecting what a, a lot of Celtic fans felt after the game. And Look, that is somebody who obviously covers football. I know some people might say, you know, Celtic, so I have his Celtic cap on when he's talking about that. But, you know, covered Scottish football for a long time, regularly on BT Sport and that. <clears throat> well aware of sort of poor decisions that have been made in the league over the years. So, 
yeah, it's not a point of view that I think we're going to be disagreeing with Tony, is it? <laughs> no, 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 it's indeed. I think we, I think most Celtic supporters would agree with Chris on that, wouldn't they? Now, we don't want to talk about VAR for the whole programme, so that's no, definitely not. Minutes, 16 minutes, that's, that's enough. We've all got our thoughts on it. Celtic look like they're going to go to the SFA, or set for talks with the SFA to raise concerns, and we'll see what happens in the fullness of time once they have that meeting, or if that meeting takes place at all. Aidan, now, you wrote on the Celtic Digest yesterday about the importance of that point, uh, and you were, you were saying that, it, and I said as well the day before, that it was uh, a more important point for Celtic than Rangers, because it keeps that nine-point lead at the top, and you kind of finish the Celtic Digest with saying it's a, a big step towards a second a consecutive title. Still believe that, Aidan? You still think that that was, that was a significant stride that Celtic took on Monday? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know before the game I'd had put it 2-1, so I wasn't too far off it, Tony, to be fair. But yeah, you did. In, in, terms of, in terms of the point, yeah, I think the way the game went, it was a vital point. I mean, it, you maintain the nine-point gap that the team had before. As I've said many times, that would be a league that if you had that at the end of the season, you'd be absolutely delighted, never mind, you know, the first week in January. So I think with the sort of way the game was going, the fact that for a good chunk of the second half in particular, Celtic were right under the cosh, in my opinion, it was a very good point to have. And obviously the article is available on the site right now, which I will post it in the comments shortly. Uh, I think in terms of... In terms of the point itself, there was a variety of reasons why it was obviously important. One of which, of course, I just mentioned that it helps you maintain the nine-point lead, but also a big aspect of Ange last season was getting that second derby victory against Rangers in yeah. February, which we can now say last year, Tony, which is doesn't feel that long ago, but obviously yeah. almost a year ago now. Uh, in Celtic stopping Michael Beale and his team from being able to get that momentum, I think it's massive. I know the points gap wasn't quite as wide at that stage last season, because obviously Celtic won that game to go a point clear if they hadn't, it would have only been two rather than you know nine. But I think that was a really, really important psychological step. Another factor is uh, I think that's now the last time Celtic lost a league game to Rangers was uh, August 2021, which yep. you know, quite a while ago. It was obviously the first game of last season in which Celtic had very much were in the sort of early stages under Ange. I know Rangers had a bit of a COVID outbreak, so they were a bit weaker that day as well, but I, I think it's not unfit to say that that wasn't a fully Ange Postecoglou side that was playing that day. You know, Eddard was playing Christie. Yeah, yeah. So that's now a long point, sorry, a long time since you've lost in the league to Rangers. So that sort of continues on a psychological edge there, I think, which I'm, I'd imagine... Ange and the team will be desperate to sort of turn the pressure on when it comes to the remaining two derby fixtures. So like, that was just a couple of the points that I posted the article in the comments there of anyone yeah. just want to go in. I'll not, I'll not spoil everything that's in it, but that was just a couple of reasons of why I felt it was a really important point for Celtic. Brown Warrior agrees. He said, Aiden, it's a great point. An underperforming Celtic with 700 travelling support scored twice and denied Rangers a win with far involved. And he thinks that Celtic will scalp them at Celtic Park. So that's uh, you were alluding to the February game where Celtic did turn up with to go a point ahead. And uh, yeah, and Magnet67 says, let's not forget Celtic was six points behind at this stage last season. 
yes they were and I I think it's a I think the way the point came around and said it sort of felt like a win for Celtic didn't it the way it came about but I made the point yesterday that I don't think that any Celtic supporter had given up hope even when it went into the 88th minute and then they saw the game possibly slipping away they always felt that they would get another chance because that's what they do and that's what this team's been built to do but yeah, I, I I agree that it could be hugely significant come May, and uh, I think that, and as you say, that that stopping of any kind of Rangers momentum, and because the lift that would have given them, and it would have been game on again in the title race, but it's kind of quieting, quieting, quieting that noise down. Easy for me to say, uh, hasn't it? And you know, both teams go away. And Celtic will now have new players to come in. They had a new player, Alistair Johnston, who played well. But one player who did also play well, Aidan, in the half an hour he was on the pitch was Aaron Moy. And Stuart Ross has did a piece on uh, an analysis piece on his contribution. And I mention it in the sense that he, he was involved in a lot of good stuff. And lots of Celtic supporters were a bit miffed when he was dropped from the side. You said he should have been playing. But he's came on and he's made a telling contribution. And Ange Postacoglu always says that, that when the players players must be ready, even if they're rotated and on the bench to come on and make a contribution. And he made a telling contribution. We spoke yesterday how the three substitutes were all involved in Kyogo's goal. That's the kind of telling contribution the the manager wants, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly. You know, when you're making the subs like that and it's all well and good making subs when you're, you know, three, four, five now up and they come on and score a couple of goals. But when you're chasing the game pretty much at that stage and you're not just chasing the game, but they're very much out of it as well. And just in terms of the way the flow of it's going, I know there was only a goal on it at the time, but that you know, still took were pretty under the course for that. Whenever the second Rangers goal went, I mean, it was about 52 minutes or whatever, really from then up until when they scored. It wasn't wave after wave after attack from Rangers, but... I think it's not unfair to say that Celtic were second best during that period in the game. Mm. So when you're making the subs there, you really need them to come on and make an impact because that's the last throw of the dice you've got, Tony, isn't it, at that stage? Yes, Change the game in your favour. So the subs overall all pretty, contributed pretty well. I even thought Abada, who I know we're going to come on to in a wee bit for a separate thing, I, I thought Abada was, was alright when he came on as well. But yeah, Jota and Moy linking up for Kyogo's goal was... Superb, obviously, Stuart said detailed that in his uh, scouting report that... that you Put that in the comment section there, Aidan, yeah. That, yeah, that, uh, you know, the, the way that sort of Jota and Moy linked up for that, uh, Kyogo Equalizer was superb and had all sort of good tactical change to manage to bring those two on because people might not look to Aaron Moy, even though he's, he's been doing all well recently and, and I've been talking him up, but people <coughs> might not look at Aaron Moy as the guy that's going to come on and get you a goal to potentially win or draw a game. He's maybe more somebody who is involved in a dominant performance from the start or he'll come on to see a game out, as he's as he had a couple of times uh, this season. But he, he, was, he, he came on and contributed a lot from an attacking sense, which is really good to see. He's another option in the middle of the park. So, yeah, you know, Stuart's obviously, it's countable, will be a lot more detailed than what I'm saying there. He's got uh, includes graphics and that, etc. that breaks it all down, but yeah, no, Aaron Moy, Jota, all the subs contributed well when they came on. In the second half, I should say, because I know Yerana, which came on as a sudden struggle. But yeah, yeah, I know. See, Moy's got a great football brain, which makes up for his lack of pace. 
that's fair enough. And uh, Pete Meadie says, I love O'Reilly, but he shouldn't have started. And at the very least, he should have been hooked at half-time in favour of Moy. I would be inclined to possibly agree with that, yeah. Uh, Moy... Uh, ultra wide though says Moy's not my favourite but he rarely loses possession I thought he made a telling contribution and as I say Stuart Ross's piece kind of outlines that as well uh, and I was delighted with the way the, the, the subs contributed on, on on Monday I have to have to say Lupe he says Moy's starting to do his job as a squad player but he's away at the end of the season so we hope the new Japanese crew can plug that hole in the midfield and Andrew Galea is saying he's looking forward to seeing Moy and Hatati link up in midfield over the coming games. Lots of people saying that, uh, yeah, Kevin Ferrier saying give Moy a chance in O'Reilly's place. Lots of people saying that O'Reilly's just been off it since he came back. Uh, Aiden from the World Cup finals break, is that something that you share? Well, you you had Moy in your starting 11, didn't you, for, uh, for Monday? Yeah, and, and to be fair, despite having a uh, Moy and my starting eleven, I did say that I thought some of the criticism Moy was, was receiving was a wee bit unfair. Yeah, I think he still has the most assists for Celtic this season. I'm pretty sure. You don't need. I think he's seven and one of the highest in the league as well overall, if not yeah. the highest. So he, he still had a positive season. I think maybe some people get clouded by the fact that he did miss a couple of chances. I think there was a uh, the St Johnson game and the Livingston yes. game two. Very similar, they just pulled across the goal. No, no, actually, no. St. Johnson, the Hibs game, I think it was. Two of them yeah. which were pulled right across the goal. And he saw, uh, I think one of them, David Marshall, saved another one he put wide. So I can understand that, that if he gets those two goals, then maybe people are looking at his performances a wee bit more positively. But yeah, I did want Moy in from the start. And I think, as we mentioned, he showed what he could do when he came on as a sub. I would like to see Moy in from the start against Kilmarnock as well, Tony. Won't go into that in too much detail because I know we'll have a predictive 11s, but I think he deserves that place. The manager likes him, but uh, O'Reilly, that was his 18th consecutive start. So. Yeah, no. And no wonder because he's been such a great contributor since he came to Celtic. Yeah. And speaking of contributors, you spoke there about Leela Abada. Now, Leela Abada has made the UEFA list for the 40 breakout stars, top 40 breakout stars, and players who will. I think the, the phrase was take European football by storm. Now, he's still only 21. Lots of uh, potential with Lila Bada, but he scored 15 goals, 11 assists last season, and he won the SPFA Young Player of the Year. He's got nine goals, four assists in 27 matches this season already. I mean, he's well on course to breaking those targets that he set last season. And from a, a wide player, uh, I think those stats are quite an incredible return for a white player for someone who is not uh, an automatic first team pick at times Aidan Well I think that's it isn't it that makes the stats even more impressive it's not like he's a Cal McGregor that plays every single week he can go maybe two, three, four games when he's if he's coming on or if he's making a contribution sorry it's from the subs bench so that kind of shows how good these numbers are really and obviously we know he's, he's not the finished start of but he's only a young player, Tony, he's 21, mm. so came in the club when he was only 19 and really kicked on right from the start, getting that goal against Mitchell last year. But it, the sort of company on that list that you just mentioned there, you know, there's players like Jude Bellinger, and there's players like Manchester City striker, Erlen Hallahan, so, you know, Abara's in good company there with uh, players, players of that ilk. But, yeah, his contributions have been really, really good and, 
actually think his overall sort of build up playing technical plays got a lot better, even this season. Yes. I feel that he can come on now and he, he is contributing in games when he's maybe not getting a goal or assist. He's having a positive impact and you know, an attacking phase of play or he's maybe just changing the momentum. Whereas last season one criticism probably was if there was a game that he didn't score, didn't get an assist, he was maybe quite quiet. But I think he's actually starting to get out of his game and there's been matches and performances this season. Such as actually when he came on as a sub at Ibrox that I thought he did quite well, even though, you know, there was no goal or assist. So, yeah, I think that's um, a show that even in the last 12 months he's developed his game on again. I think hindsight's a great thing, but lots of people would have liked to have seen a badder start in place of Forrest on Monday, wouldn't they? When he was in the earth, front three were the same, weren't they? Made it on the left, he'll go through the middle yeah, and the badder on the right, you know, because we felt that maybe Jota was still struggling from the from the bug, wasn't it? In fact, we I think in fact we had Jota, didn't we? Starting, but uh, yeah, we had I think we all had Jota, none of us had Abada, but I think we mentioned we wouldn't have any issues if Abada didn't start. Yeah, because that, that's what it was, wasn't it? Yeah, his record in Glasgow derbies is superb. Is it three goals and two, three goals, two assists in five games or six yeah. games now? Sorry, after the game, uh, other day, which is incredible stats for somebody who in those fixtures, you know, he's not started every single game. Uh, when he has started, he's maybe been subbed off, you know, 60-odd minutes. And, yeah, he's, like, as, as a highlight. And I know the whole thing is, if you're good enough, it, it doesn't matter if you're a younger player. But I think, you know, moving for another country, now, that's always got to be taken into consideration. He's adapted really, really well. And, yeah, he's somebody that I'm excited for in this sort of second half of the season, Tony. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I think you just, you're excited to see where a badder can go and, and, and what levels he can reach. Because the the nucleus of a, a a tremendous footballer is there. It's just getting all the, the component parts together. Because he does blow hot and cold, doesn't he? But when he's on it, he's on it. And yeah, uh, you know, you, you sort of look and you think, wow, he's still only twenty one. And I guess that's the impetuosity of youth as well, where he, he can't he can be an eight or a nine or a five. You know that that's what you get with him. Yeah, I mean, obviously consistency is one thing that I'm sure he would admit that himself and the manager said that as well at times that he's maybe got to improve on but that's another thing that I think he has been sort of developing this season. There is games that he's, he's not maybe in the sort of top uh, creative assists for scoring goals but he's still contributing which is a key factor that you need. But... I did mention it uh, sort of near the start of the season with Abad. I just I think we were just talking about him briefly that if you are going to be a player who blows hot and cold, but when you do play in your own form, you're getting assists and scoring goals, that's not a bad position to be in either, Tony. But he, he's obviously developed his game on again, which, which is brilliant. So, And the fact he's on this list shows that he's starting to get a bit of recognition kind of international. Yeah, and I think English Premier League clubs are keeping tabs on him, aren't they, as well, from what we're led to believe. But I think uh, I think Celtic hold the, the aces and the cards and that one. He's another one that's tied up long-term, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he's tied up long-term. He signed a five-year deal, so even this summer he would still have three years. So a strong position if it comes to that in terms of you know, negotiating a new contract or whatever. But yeah, he, he's, he's been brilliant and somebody that I'm really looking forward to seeing more of in the sort of between now and May. And it's a wonderful accolade for him to be uh, named in the top 40 UEFA list of, of European footballers to watch. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it, it's sort of some of the players in there are 
really in and amongst even the young the young players like Bellingham and Haaland are very much in amongst the best players in the world. So him being in there, it just shows you that he, he's starting to get a bit of sort of traction from sort of top outlets. And I, I'd imagine the fact he, he was in the Champions League, I know he didn't score any goals in the Champions League, but the fact he was getting minutes in there as well was another thing that put more eyes on him. I think he, he won the penalty away to Real Madrid, I think. In that but overall, he, he did okay. I don't like going to the Champions League too much with Kena. That's an effort at this point, Tony. But what I'm just saying is, him featuring in the Champions League, I'm sure he's probably used his profile a bit as well. Indeed. Well, Aidan, that's been just over half an hour talking about Celtic, just the two of us. We thought every day we worry when there's just the two of us, how will we get through it? But we got through it. And uh, thank you guys for your comments as well. Uh, we try and pick up as many as we can. But I'll just direct you to the ticker tape running along the bottom. If you subscribe to the Celtic Way and support top quality journalism covering the club we love, you can have one of two deals. And it's the festive deal that we've got going. It's a pound for two months of full access to everything that's written on the website, or you can get 25% off the yearly price, which, which takes it down to 26 quid. All for the click of a button, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. It's still a good deal, Aidan, is it not? Yeah, I mean, you've got everything there from big interviews, Tony, that you, you yourself conduct tactics pieces, scouting pieces, which I'm sure there'll be plenty of over this next month if it been in the middle of January transfer window. There's been a recent ones up recently on Nawata, etc. So, yep, get yourself involved, guys, whether it's, you know, tactics, uh, briefings, interviews, everything. We've got you covered, all sorts of diverse Celtic content. So, if you're not already subscribed, then get yourself involved in that. Peak Week G coming in 11am tomorrow, lads. It'll be tennis, Peter. About tennis. Andrew Gilly is asking, no VAR chat tomorrow, Tony. Can I guarantee that? Unless we do the Ange Postacordo blanket ban on the VAR chat, but you know thing well, we'd like to do that because we don't want to talk about it, but you know thing well, it's going to be a prominent feature for the rest of the season, but hey, uh, we'll try and uh, we'll try and steer clear of it when we can, Aiden. But we're mm-hmm. hand is forced, as they say, on that score. Yeah, it obviously just depends sort of what's set in the agenda. Particularly <laughs> if it's days that are after games and there's been VAR, but yeah, we can't we can't make that a uh, commitment to Andrew. I, I wouldn't want to say we're not going to talk about VAR at all tomorrow <laughs> because it could be mentioned. Yeah, and PPG also say tough for that wardrobe needs sort night. <laughs> yeah, maybe it does. I don't know. I, I quite like the, the super striker. I, I did say I promise one day I will lay this out, super striker and all its splendor and glory, and, and I'll I'll let you see what it's like on the podcast. I even have a a very rare Celtic super striker team. Right there you have it, guys. Take care. Thanks for the comments. Uh, we enjoy the tour and phone, and we enjoy. <laughs> we enjoy uh, the banter as well. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Take it easy, guys. All right, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful day, Aiden. Thanks for your contribution. First class. Cheers. Cheers.